here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Mark Levin here, our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. Now, there's a lot to get into tonight, from the release of these tapes to so much more, but I want to start with the Mexican cartel murdering two American citizens. What are we going to do about this? All talk, no action. They murdered two American citizens. Now, if they get away with this without any kind of violent retribution from us, this is going to happen more often, not just in Mexico, but all over the world. All over the world. So what should be done? What I said yesterday should have been done. A statement by the President of the United States and a warning that if any American citizens are harmed, there will be a military response within 24 hours. You know, the Democrats like to talk about gun control, but they never talk about cartel control or the control of their weapons. More people are dying in America as a result of fentanyl than handgun or rifle murders in this country. You aware of that? Depending on the year, fifteen to 17,000 Americans are killed. Some by their own hand, but if I do the aggregate, it's a lot of people. It's a lot of people. On the other hand, 100,000 or more are killed as a result of fentanyl. And now they kidnap American citizens, murder two of them. One of them apparently is receiving treatment for injuries. We're supposed to believe this was some kind of a mistake. They had North Carolina tags on their car. I just want to point this out. 
that this administration must do something, and we need to stop listening to the appeasers, the fakes, and the frauds who always want us to stand down. We shouldn't stand down. We should stand up. And these cartels now have entrenched themselves in every metropolitan area in this country and in every state. And it has spread like a cancer under this administration, under the Biden administration. And this is going to affect this country for decades to come. Decades to come. And while you have these Democrat mayors and city councils tying the hands of law enforcement, slashing their budgets, these left-wing judges who are allowing these murderers to walk the streets, recidivists everywhere, while that's taking place, the barbarians, their numbers, are increasing in our country. So exactly the wrong thing is happening. Exactly the wrong thing. I want to touch on a few other things as we go through this. And of course, we don't hear from Joe Biden. He's AWOL just as he's been AWOL in Palestine, Ohio, as he's been AWOL on the southern border, except when he visited a Potemkin village. That is, they cleared out all the people, clearing up the streets, removed all the evidence of what his policies had done, so he'd have basically an easy walkthrough and, and no problems. And that's what he saw. It's a lie. A complete lie. Joe Biden and the Democrat Party have used not immigration, but illegal immigration and the violation of immigration laws, and hence the violation of our Constitution. They've used it to unleash this violence on our society. And they've used it to try and affect the the demographics of the country. On the one hand, they celebrate it. On the other hand, they point a finger at you if you dare to mention it. Two Americans are dead. And it turns out that Americans are being constantly kidnapped south of the border. I note somebody sent to me a link to Eric Erickson's site where he tweeted out he did the numbers. I believe it was last year approximately 600 Americans were kidnapped in one way or another, in one degree or another, south of the border, in Mexico. And by the way, Americans are being murdered. These aren't the only two. A young doctor was murdered a few weeks back. His body was found rolled up in a, in a rug or a carpet or something, I don't remember. These things are happening. We have a narco state south of the border. These people were less than a mile over the border. And they were trying to get medical treatment or cheaper prescription drugs and so forth and so on. A mistake, but it ought not be a fatal mistake. 
You know where ISIS learned a lot of its tactics for torturing and killing people? From the Mexican drug cartels. Decapitation. Hanging people from bridges. Gruesome torture. Burning people alive. Slowly cutting off limbs. Finger digits and so forth. Fingers, rather. They learned this from the drug cartels. South of the border. Not only don't we secure the border, we don't react. Now, I hope that people in Washington can hear me. I hope many of them will. I hope even this administration, we know they monitor this show. Let us hope that they take action. But hope is all it is, because it's unpredictable what this administration will do. Well, if it is predictable, it'll be nothing. But it would be nice if they did something. Somebody said, we need to bring these perpetrators here to the United States and try them in the United States. We don't need to try them in the United States. We need to kill them. We need to send masculine men with a lot of toxicity to track down these cowards and kill them. Because this is war. It's war on American citizens, and I'm sick and tired of it. Where we play uh, Marcus of Queensbury rules while they're pulling out pistols and rifles and machine guns and machetes. It's enough already. What do you think Theodore Roosevelt would have done? What do you think Calvin Coolidge would have done? What do you think Dwight Eisenhower would have done? Or Nixon? Reagan, Trump. What do you think John Kennedy would have done? Truman. They would have done something. Rather than send out their, uh, their spokes idiot. With her garbled words. I mean, if you're not prepared to protect American citizens from this sort of thing, you don't deserve to be president. You don't deserve to be anywhere near Washington, D.C. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. I want to tell you about something to help you protect your retirement. People are worried about the economy because 2022 didn't go very well. For one thing, there's the crazy spending and debt created by Biden and the Democrats. That huge debt affects your savings, especially pensions, IRAs, and 401ks. It's one reason Americans get gold IRAs, to protect their hard-earned savings. Well, here's a company I trust to help you with a gold IRA, Augusta Precious Metals. What makes Augusta Precious Metals different? They'll tell you not to buy a gold IRA if it's not right for you. If you've saved $100,000 or more, save for your IRA or your 401k, sign up for a one-on-one web conference to schedule call 877-4-GOLD-IRA. That's 877-4-GOLD-IRA, 877-4-GOLD-IRA. If you have a financial professional, obviously talk to them before making an investment decision. Visit AugustaPreciousMetals.com and check out the risk disclosures as well. Cartels kill Americans on this side of the border with drugs. 
And now they're killing Americans on the other side of the border with guns. Why is President Biden so comfortable with cartels operating so close to the U.S.? Well, let's be very clear. Let me take on the drug part here, because since you brought this up, um, because of the work that this president has done, because of what we've done specifically on fentanyl at the border, it's at historic lows, historic you know, levels. This is absolutely unbelievable, the way that she lies and Biden lies and this administration lies and they get away with it. Fentanyl, the seizure of fentanyl is at historic lows. Is that what she said, Mr. Producer? How is that even conceivable when law enforcement's hands are tied behind their proverbial back? That doesn't even make any sense. And in fact, that's absurd. And the evidence doesn't show that at all. It's really quite amazing to me. But it is monotonous on top of everything else. And this is going to keep up because they are not only liars, they're pathological about it. And I think in Biden's case, in many respects, he is um, just so out of it, he wants to believe. So he's a true believer about himself. All right, let's go on here. I want to tell you uh, this phony controversy around these tapes that were released to Tucker Carlson's people and to him. And we have um, Democrats who are attacking it. We have Republicans who are attacking it and attacking uh, Kevin McCarthy. First of all, Kevin McCarthy has been doing exactly what I told you he would do. I understand that some of the people who held out and some of their friends and radio and TV are taking credit for it. Uh, it's a safe, a face-saving gesture on their parts. I told you before, 90% of the rules that were enacted were already rules that Kevin McCarthy was going to enact. And so we have lightweights at Newsweek, at the Texas Policy Institute, some in talk radio, some on television, they didn't want to believe. And we'll see how it goes down the road, of course. I'm not a special pleader now. I wasn't then, and I won't be tomorrow. But what's truth is truth. Whether people want to believe it or not is a whole other story. And so he releases the tapes... To Fox, which is a news organization, to Tucker Carlson. Was he supposed to release them to NBC and Chuck Todd? Was he supposed to release them to ABC and George Stephanopoulos? MSNBC and Joe Scarborough? CNN and Jake Tapper? Who was he to release them to? The New York Times and the Washington Post, which were scribes for the January 6th committee, as were all the rest of the media. The only news organizations and opinion hosts who raise questions, which is what you're supposed to do, are on Fox. And I'll say Newsmax and OAN. That's it. There are no others. Zero. Zero. And so now they keep pounding Fox. And now they have Schumer. Remember, Schumer had a frontal assault on the 
First Amendment of the Constitution and free speech a few years back. He wanted to amend the Bill of Rights. And Schumer attacked the Article 3, third branch of government. Remember, he called for violence against two Supreme Court justices. Remember Schumer? I remember Schumer. Except I try to remember him long before I have to eat. So why, why give the information to Carlson? That's number one. And then number two, they ask, why release it at all? It's a false picture of nonviolence and so forth and so on. Because the vast majority of people who've been arrested and prosecuted and have had to plead were not involved in any kind of violence. Period. Ashley Babbitt was not involved in any kind of violence and she was murdered. Period. So people don't want you to know these things. And a lot of these things were actually known before, but it's good to have this this tape as far as I'm concerned. Now, I don't know where I put this, Mr. Producer. You have... Mitch McConnell complaining about this, I recall. Oh, let's see here. Cut 14. So Mitch McConnell is very disturbed by this. Well, if you ask me, Mitch McConnell is very disturbed. He's a fraud, a phony, and a fool. Cut 14, go. My uh, concern is how it was depicted, which is a different issue. Clearly... The chief of the Capitol Police, in my view, correctly describes what most of us witnessed firsthand on January 6th. So that's my reaction to it. Um, It was a mistake, in my view, for Fox News to depict this in a way that's completely at variance with what our chief law enforcement official here at the Capitol thinks. Well, uh, somebody let down the security at that building. I don't know if it was the chief law enforcement official there, but I do know it was partly you, Mitch McConnell, and we still don't know. We still don't know about Mitch McConnell's responsibility for failing to secure that building. He has some responsibility. He did at the time. What the hell did he do? We still don't know. I'll be right back. I want to tell you about something to help you protect your retirement. People are worried about the economy because 2022 didn't go very well. For one thing, there's the crazy spending and debt created by Biden and the Democrats. That huge debt affects your savings, especially pensions, IRAs, and 401ks. It's one reason Americans get gold IRAs, to protect their hard-earned savings. Well, here's a company I trust to help you with a gold IRA, Augusta Precious Metals. What makes Augusta Precious Metals different? tell you not to buy a gold IRA if it's not right for you. If you've saved $100,000 or more, save for your IRA or your 401k, sign up for a one-on-one web conference to schedule call 877-4-GOLD-IRA. That's 877-4-GOLD-IRA, 877-4-GOLD-IRA. If you have a financial professional, obviously talk to them before making an investment decision. Visit AugustaPreciousMetals.com and check out the risk disclosures as well. 
Mark Levin, the research arm of conservative media. Call in now, 877-381-3811. This will make sense in a few minutes. Ken Burns, you know, he's a filmmaker, typically on PBS, but other places too. And he creates a, an aura around himself the way Michael Beschloss used to as some kind of historian uh, documentary type producer. But Ken Burns is a leftist. And this last documentary he did on basically FDR and the Jews was disgusting. And he left out either wittingly or unwittingly, either way it's the same thing, significant evidence that the Democrat Party's great FDR, that academia's great FDR, and they really loved him because he was really the earliest Marxist, that he that he did so much to confront the Holocaust, did what he could, in some cases his hands were tied and so forth and so on. He did little and next to nothing. He did little and next to nothing. And I will prove it to you in a few months. But he did little and next to nothing for blacks too. And I will prove that to you in a few months. And he helped perpetuate racism. And I will prove that to you in a few months. The great FDR wasn't so great. Regardless of the best efforts of the left, the media, phony academia, and phony producers to demonstrate otherwise. And what is going on now is with this Marxist ideology, and that's what it is. That's what it is, whether you like to hear the word or not. Everything now is considered through, addressed through, processed through a soft Marxist ideology that can lead us into horrific places. Whether it's tax the rich, redistribute the wealth, and on and on and on. So there's a reason why Ken Burns censors relevant material information related to FDR. And why he takes information and twists it and uses it as propaganda against Governor DeSantis and Tucker Carlson. Look, I for one don't always agree with Tucker Carlson. But so what? He doesn't always agree with me. But that's irrelevant. What he's doing here is very important. And a lot of what he does is very important. Whether I always agree with him or not. So here's Ken Burns. They bring him on to CNN. Which is hilarious. Cut 15, go. You were moved enough to write about this bill and what's going on with the whole idea of critical race theory and not teaching the full history of this country. Why? Stop. This has nothing to do with the full history of this country. Don Lemon has always been a moron. 
Critical race theory has nothing to do with the history of this country. Ten years ago, it was considered the, the ideology of the nitwits, of the national black movement. It's, it's, uh, it's crazy. But it has nothing to do with American history. In a few months, I will further demonstrate that, as I've already have in American Marxism. Go ahead. What makes America great is not the suppression of ideas or the pursuit of every corner of those ideas may lead us or the facts. So I guess you spoke out, didn't you? When Elon Musk and his team exposed the suppression of information on Twitter, I guess you spoke out when the media censored the Hunter laptop. I guess you speak out now when the media all but ignore the the Biden crime family and its ties to the communist military regime in China and the millions and millions that they made. I guess you spoke out when Fauci was lying repeatedly and almost religiously to the American people. I guess you spoke out over the lie that was and is Russia collusion. And yet I don't remember you speaking out, Ken Burns, because you didn't. You're a fraud and a phony. That's right. Go ahead. About who we are and how we investigate who we are and celebrate. We're not. We're not. All white people are not oppressors and racists, Ken. Maybe you are. And all minorities, especially black people, are not oppressed and victims, Ken. Don Lemon isn't. And so why don't you first explain your thorough knowledge of what CRT is? So at least we can make sure we're having a conversation about the same thing. You moron. Go ahead. We are all of these bills that DeSantis and others are doing limit our ability to understand who we are and are not inclusive. They're exclusive. Excuse excuse me, dimwit. The lack of academic freedom in our colleges and universities is coming from the Marxist left, your people. The lack of free speech. Free speech in the culture is coming from you and your people on the radical left. The changing of words. The twisting of words. Inclusive when they want conformity. Inclusive when they demand you use certain words that don't even make sense in certain contexts. Wokeism. That's them. That's not us. We're more than happy to compete on ideas and have debates and use free speech. They're not. And we demonstrated it, as I said. Elon Musk is a hero. And there are other heroes out there who demonstrated day in and day out. But if you're going to teach American history, American history is not American Marxism. American history isn't the 1619 Project. This clown should know that. With all these Pulitzer Prize winning historians who are not all right wingers, you know, coming together and condemning the 1619 Project. And critical race theory. As the crackpot ideology that it is. That's not American history. 
And the reason they hate DeSantis America, because he's the one guy pushing back. He's the one guy reaching into public school, government school classrooms to make sure this ideology doesn't take hold. He's the one reaching into subsidized entities to make sure they're not pushing the Democrat Party Marxist agenda. That's not free speech. That's not a competition of ideas. That's the iron fist. That's totalitarianism. Subsidizing your own demise. Creating generations of people who hate themselves and hate their own party. I mean, a country. Our history. Why don't they talk about the history of Joe Biden as a racist segregationist? Why didn't he do a film on the Democrat Party? The Democrat Party, the vessel through which slavery was promoted and supported and defended. The Democrat Party, the vessel through which segregation and the Klan was promoted and supported. The Democrat Party, the great FDR, who shipped off 120,000 Japanese Americans to internment camps in the center of America and took their homes and their businesses away. Why don't they do that documentary on the Democrat Party, which filibustered the 1964 Civil Rights Act and the 1965 Voting Rights Act? And many of those filibustering, those racist segregationists, were mentors to Joe Biden. Why don't they do that history? Why don't they do the documentary? I'd love to see it. But they won't. Why is that? Why is that, Ken Burns? Go ahead. They're narrowing the focus of what is and isn't American history. It's terrifying. It feels like a Soviet system or, you know, the way the Nazis would build a Potemkin village. Tucker Carlson's doing the same okay, thing. with the Okay, f- hold, hold, hold on. Potemkin village, obviously, the guy's a listener, even though he must hate me. The Potemkin village was built by the Soviets, you dumb bastard. I just want you to wake up to that fact. The Nazis weren't interested in proving anything to the outside world. They made their intentions clear, including to Franklin Roosevelt, including to the New York Times, including to the Washington Post and the American media that helped cover it up. European papers didn't. American media did. The Potemkin Village... Mr. Historian Documentarian is that of the hard left. The Marxists. The Russians. The East Germans. The Poles under communism. The Potemkin village. They wanted to show you how fantastic communism was. So they built these, these fronts, these town fronts. That's all they were. And that's where they would take people to show them. You know, much like Biden did when he went to the southern border, the Potemkin village I keep talking about. How they cleaned up the streets and everything. So Biden, oh, look, my policies are really fantastic. The Democrat Party is a Potemkin village. The media are a Potemkin village. 
They're all frauds and phonies. Academics. 90, 95% Democrats. 90, 95% Marxists. Another Potemkin village of academia. You schmo. Go ahead. From uh, one six, it's just uh, a, a kind of rewriting of history at the most dangerous level. It's 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 huge threat to our republic. I'm doing Don a film right now, working on a major series on the history of the American Revolution, and I can tell you that Thomas Jefferson and Thomas Paine and George Washington and John Adams and James Madison and Alexander Hamilton are. Ah, rolling. shut up, you idiot. So he is. Uh, he's doing. A historic film on the American Revolution? Oh, that'll be fantastic. I thought we're supposed to hate Thomas Jefferson and George Washington and James Madison. I thought we're supposed to hate them. They were all slave owners, and anything they did, even creating the most free and prosperous society on the face of the earth, is to be diminished and degraded. I thought that was the truth. That was the case. He won't do a documentary on W.E.B. Du Bois or Du Bois. Why not? Why not? He's cited all the time. He's cited during Black History Month, mostly by white people. He's cited by members of Congress on the floor of the House and the Senate. Why won't they mention him? He was a Marxist who broke from the NAACP eventually near the end of his life. He was a big fan of Stalin's. And later he became buddies with Mao late in his life. And he's one of the great leaders, you see, that we're all supposed to look up to. According to CRT, and I don't have a problem with complete history. I have a problem with ideology dressed up as history. And this moron doesn't know the difference. He's doing a film now on Thomas Jefferson and George Washington and John Adams and Madison and Hamilton. And they'd be rolling in their graves. graves. Why? Because they believe in critical race theory? Because they believe in sexualizing five-year-olds? Because they believe in the destruction of private property rights and the Constitution and the Declaration? All of their babies? Is that why? You idiot. You are a true idiot. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. I want to tell you about something to help you protect your retirement. People are worried about the economy because 2022 didn't go very well. For one thing, there's the crazy spending and debt created by Biden and the Democrats. That huge debt affects your savings, especially pensions, IRAs, and 401ks. It's one reason Americans get gold IRAs, to protect their hard-earned savings. Well, here's a company I trust to help you with a gold IRA, Augusta Precious Metals. What makes Augusta Precious Metals different? tell you not to buy a gold IRA if it's not right for you. If you've saved $100,000 or more, save for your IRA or your 401k, sign up for a one-on-one web conference to schedule call 877-4-GOLD-IRA. That's 877-4-GOLD-IRA, 877-4-GOLD-IRA. If you have a financial professional, obviously talk to them before making an investment decision. Visit AugustaPreciousMetals.com and check out the risk disclosures as well.
mean, I've been reading all this stuff on the litigation involving Dominion voting machines. I've been reading Mediocreite. I've been reading about experts who are appalled at what they're reading. And of course, this is the nature of litigation. Lawyers cherry-pick stuff, and they put it in their briefs. And It's really the trials that merit attention because so much of this is extraneous. But I, it does cause me to raise a question. Is there a reason why CNN and MSNBC and NBC and ABC and CBS and Mediocreite and the George Soros front group, Media Matters and all the rest of it, is there a reason why they haven't inquired as to why other news organizations weren't sued by this company, like NBC. They raised questions about voting machines even before the election. Or why certain Democrat members of Congress weren't sued. They raised questions about voting machines and voting software, including Dominion, before the election. Is there a reason why universities and colleges and their so-called experts haven't been sued as well for Raising questions about it or cyber experts raising questions about it. You know, the funny thing is, I don't believe I ever talked about it. Certainly not much. Because my focus, as you know, was on the Constitution. And on how Democrat politicians were unconstitutionally changing their voting systems in order to help Biden and so forth. And I also remember before the election, the Democrats and the media were talking about the disappearance, the secret disappearance of mailboxes, particularly in Democrat and minority areas. Remember that one? And they were attacking the Postmaster General? But I do have to wonder about the politicization of this whole thing. About why these other media outlets haven't been sued. And why these other sources that were raising serious questions about voting machines weren't sued. If you're a plaintiff's lawyer, you throw a very broad blanket and create defendants everywhere. But that's not what happened here. That's not what happened here. Why is that? Now, if you're not even an intrepid journalist, just a very average or even below average IQ and some level of curiosity, you would look into this. No, I'm not talking to anybody. I'm not coordinating. I'm speaking for myself. I always speak for myself. Always. But that's my question. I raised it a few weeks ago, and I'm raising it again. Why weren't these other groups, these other news outlets sued? CNN itself. Why wasn't it sued? Why weren't other hosts sued at other networks and news platforms? To raise questions too. Why is that? I think we know why, don't we? We can certainly surmise. Certainly draw our own conclusions. And why are these other news groups piling on? Many of them have been sued, and I, I notice they settle very, very quickly with other litigants. Washington Post, New York Times, CNN, the rest of them. Why do they do that? I'll be right back. 
This segment of the podcast is exclusively sponsored by Pure Talk. Pure Talk offers great coverage and can save your family money on your wireless bill every single month. Go to puretalk.com to find the plan that's right for you. Thank you again for listening, and thank you so much for this sponsorship, Pure Talk. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811-877-381-3811. Let's see here. Just give me a second. There it is, finally. I want to have a talk with you about Social Security and Medicare and Medicaid. Social Security and Medicare have trustees. They've had trustees for decades. Trustees. What is a trustee? Well, many of you have wills and you have uh, ancillary documents. You set up trusts. To do what? To protect your beneficiaries, to protect your assets, to make sure what you want gets done when you die. Sometimes you have living trusts to make sure what gets done, what you want to get done while you're living. And it's very careful that you appoint the right trustees. You have trustees trustees at colleges and universities. You have trustees who overlook all kinds of financial situations. And the goal is to have people who are objective and who will make sure that things are done by the book. That's why you do it. Otherwise, why do it at all? Social Security has trustees. Medicare has trustees. As I said, they have for, really, since they started. One started in the 30s, Social Security, and Medicare started in the 60s. Now, these trustees issue annual reports, and if necessary, more frequent reports. And they issue them first to the two leaders in the Senate, the Speaker, the Majority Leader, and the Minority Leader in the House, and others in Congress. And they also release it to the President and the Vice President, and again, and others. And it also becomes public. Now, why do they do this? Why do they do it? Why do we have trustees for Social Security and Medicare? So you can know what's taking place if you care enough to check. But most importantly, so the people who are responsible for these various programs can ensure that they remain in the black, that they're functional, that they are, in fact, insurance programs at work. And yet the very politicians who have the responsibility to take heed when the trustees warn about the financial situation involving Social Security and Medicare are the same politicians who've all but destroyed those trust funds. It's Democrat and Republican alike, but as usual, mostly Democrat. They just see the money that pours into these trust funds as fungible. 
And so what have they done? They've stolen all the money that you pay in payroll taxes, and those of you who have paid in payroll taxes, and they give it to other people. Illegal aliens, redistribute wealth, God knows what. Whatever they want. And even that's not enough. So they keep printing and printing and printing, and we have inflation. That's how bad it is. That's how bad these people are. It's worse than a Ponzi scheme. And yet they are applauded and they are celebrated when they say they are protecting Social Security while at the same time expanding it to include other people and other benefits, and same with Medicare. That is, the more left-wing these people are, the more they destroy these programs. You see what they've done already to your pensions and to your savings with inflation. These are the same people who ultimately are in charge of Social Security and Medicare. Now, what do we know about these programs, according to the trustees? Well, the Congressional Budget Office, which is supposed to be an independent arm of Congress, they've taken a look at this, and they've taken a look at the numbers themselves. And they say... The combined spending on Social Security and Medicare will almost double by 2033 in 10 years. Will double. When required funding for the two programs will approach $4 trillion, representing more than 10% of the country's total economic output. And I want you to put on top of that the massive debt that has been created, $31.5 trillion. And then I want you to add the $1.6 trillion in student loans that you and I are supposed to pay. And this doesn't even involve discretionary spending. Anything that's not a so-called entitlement is considered discretionary spending. One of those that are considered discretionary is the defense budget. And all the welfare programs. Another consequence, said Congressional Budget Office Director Philip Swaggle, is that Social Security now faces a funding shortfall in 2032, two years sooner than the previous projection. 2032. That's nine years from now. Nine years. Medicare is projected to experience a funding shortfall in 2028. That's five years from now. And Social Security, 2032, nine years from now. And what are they going to do about it? Nothing, because Joe Biden has already politicized this. When Rick Scott dared to raise questions about it, he was attacked by McConnell. By McConnell. So Social Security spending will almost double from $1.2 trillion in fiscal 2022-23 to almost $2.4 trillion in 2033. As a percentage of gross domestic product, it will grow from 4.8% to 6% over that span. The jump begins immediately with a $123 billion increase in fiscal 2023, a 10% spike in one year alone, largely due to the large 8.7% cost of living increase for Social Security benefits that took effect last month. So the Democrats created this massive inflation, and now it's massively increased spending on Social Security, which has reduced the viability of the program by two years. 
Medicare spending will more than double over the same span, from $710 billion in the last fiscal year to more than $1.6 trillion in 10 years, when it will represent 4.1% of the GDP. Defense spending right now, to remind you, is 2.57% of the GDP. Spending on other mandatory health care programs, including Medicaid, the Children's Health Insurance Program, and Obamacare subsidies will also rise significantly from $795 billion in 2022 to $1 trillion in 2033. All told, the CBO found the federal debt currently at $31.4 trillion is on pace to balloon to roughly $50 trillion a decade from now, 10 years from now. As annual deficits are projected to rise from $1.4 trillion this fiscal year to $2.9 trillion in 2033. Now Congress needs to act. But the Democrats have an idea. More taxes. Any family that earns over $400,000 a year needs to see their Medicare taxes significantly increased. That's how they plan to fix it. But that won't fix it. Now, why won't it fix it, America? Because the money doesn't go into the trust fund. It goes into the general operating fund. I said it was worse than a Ponzi scheme, and that's exactly what it is. So they knew last year this was the case with Social Security and Medicare and Medicaid and the rest. They knew it. But they spent like drunken Marxists anyway. They did it in November with the omnibus bill. And they did it with Mitch McConnell's help and the help of 18 other Republicans in the Senate. They did it before the Republican majority could be sworn in in the House. Now everything seems to be resting on the shoulders of the very thin Republican majority in the House. And with all due respect, they can do certain things, but they can't do everything. And a gun has been put to their heads because Biden says he's not cutting any spending in anything. In fact, he's massively increasing spending in his next budget proposal. The Republicans in the Senate already sold out to Schumer and Biden. They got nothing in return. They didn't even secure the border. And so it's going to be very difficult for the thinnest of majorities in the House, the Republicans, to hold the line. Not because of the conservatives, not because of the speaker, but because, you know, there's some rhinos among them. The Republicans have not proposed cutting Social Security and Medicare. There have been proposals on the table since I was a kid to increase the age for Social Security recipients and Medicare recipients, which wouldn't harm anybody today who's on it and wouldn't harm anybody who's on it in 10 years because they grandfather those folks in. That could be many of you. So if you're 55 and older, you're grandfathered in. But if it's not done, these programs will collapse. And it'll take a big chunk of the economy with it. 
and millions of people for sure with it. But Biden won't do it. And the Democrats are attacking any effort. They just say raise taxes, that'll fix it. Folks, we can extract every damn nickel you have. And we can't keep up with this debt. We just cannot. It's not possible. We create, give or take, $19 trillion in economic value every year. Some people think it's less, 18.4. We're talking about an on-budget debt of $31.4 trillion. Add in $1.6 trillion in student loan debt. And when you add in Social Security and Medicare debt, that is, these promised payments to people who are now and have paid into these systems, you're adding another $200 trillion. So they're talking about taxing people over $400,000. This isn't even going to be a drop of a drop of a drop in a lake. To use their favorite word, this is a systemic issue now. And they know it. But the Democrats will not even allow it to be discussed. And they're going to go right back with their Marxist pablum about tax the rich. Because they know they can win elections saying that. That works. When you're for the people, and I say this sarcastically, and you're Marxist in your ideology, you pretend to be modern, and you're pretending to save the very people who you're destroying. Save the very programs that you have destroyed and continue to destroy. They stole almost a trillion dollars out of Medicare for Obamacare, folks. They took another $300 billion out of Medicare for this omnibus bill, folks. That's what they do. Because they don't believe that there's any need for budget discipline. Charles Payne talks about modern monetary policy. This has been talked about a lot. And it's simply this. A Ponzi scheme. That is, that a government can print as much money as it wants, create as big a debt as it wants. So what? It just owes itself. And by owing itself, it doesn't have to pay it back. Now, of course, you have to be a lunatic. You have to be certifiably insane to think that. Because the laws of economics know no boundaries. They don't care about federal government, state government, printing presses, digital, doesn't matter. If you create too much money, it becomes worthless. Some of you are too young, but some of us aren't. If you don't know this, I want you to go online, use your preferred search engine, and look up the Weimar Republic in Germany, and ask about the economic conditions. Ask about inflation. Or more modern times, talk to somebody who fled Venezuela and is now in the United States. Ask them if people can eat, if there's any form of sustenance in a country that destroys its currency. 
ask. We have real live people. Barely live, but they, they manage to live. They'll give you the answer. And that is where the Democrat Party is taking us. And people like Mitch McConnell and other repubics. This is where they're taking us. Now, when it comes to Medicare, five years isn't that long away, is it? And then we have states like California that are, that are going bankrupt. Now, there's a dispute over whether a state can actually go bankrupt. I believe they can. We've seen cities go bankrupt, like New York City that had to get bailed out. And that's what Gavin Newsom figures in California. There's a Democrat in office and a Democrat Congress. No matter what they do, the feds will bail them out. Look at all the money that was sent to these states during COVID that they blew, that they wasted, one-time money. Huge amounts. Got them out of their debt. Now most of them are back in debt. And the reason is the private sector works on supply and demand. The government works on demand and demand only. Because that's what gets you the votes. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Did you know Pure Talk saves the average family over $900 a year when you switch from Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile? That's right. Save $900 a year on your wireless bill and still enjoy ultra-fast 5G service. You can get unlimited talk, text, and plenty of data for just 30 bucks a month. And Pure Talk is so sure you're going to love their service, they're backing it up with a 100% money-back guarantee. So instead of paying a fortune to woke corporations like Verizon, and AT&T or T-Mobile every month, cut your bill in half with Pure Talk, my cell phone company, and then start enjoying the perks like a U.S. customer service team that will make your switch easy, supporting a company that is veteran-owned and shares your values and that has you covered with a money-back guarantee. Go to puretalk.com and enter promo code Levin Podcast. that's L-E-V-I-N podcast, to save 50% off your first month. That's puretalk.com, promo code L-E-V-I-N podcast, Levin Podcast. Pure Talk is simply smarter wireless. Restrictions apply. See site for details. I want to give you some friendly advice on how I live my life with what's going on with the economy here in Congress and the government. You can ignore it completely or not. I want the people in this audience, I want you to survive whatever comes. Whether people mock you or not, you saw what happened during the pandemic. You saw how quickly tyranny devoured liberty. You see what's happening with the supply chain, how fast that breaks down. Government is now involved in everything, and government is incompetent and corrupt. You should always have a little gold. I do. Preferably gold coins, so you can use them either way. As a coin or as gold. You can never go wrong. I'm not saying, you know, sell your house for gold. I'm just saying you should always have some. You should always have some tangible things, maybe jewelry, gemstones, diamonds, the best you can reasonably afford without going under, things you can take with you if you need to. 
and always a stash of food that might last 30 days and so forth. That's what I do. Did you know Pure Talk saves the average family over $900 a year when you switch from Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile? That's right. Save $900 a year on your wireless bill and still enjoy ultra-fast 5G service. You can get unlimited talk, text, and plenty of data for just 30 bucks a month. And Pure Talk is so sure you're going to love their service, they're backing it up with a 100% money-back guarantee. So instead of paying a fortune to woke corporations like Verizon, and AT&T or T-Mobile every month, cut your bill in half with Pure Talk, my cell phone company, and then start enjoying the perks like a U.S. customer service team that will make your switch easy, supporting a company that is veteran-owned and shares your values and that has you covered with a money-back guarantee. Go to puretalk.com and enter promo code Levin Podcast. that's L-E-V-I-N podcast, to save 50% off your first month. That's puretalk.com, promo code L-E-V-I-N podcast, Levin Podcast. Pure Talk is simply smarter wireless. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Mark Levin, the thunder on the right. Call in now, 877-381-3811. Monica Showalter at The American Thinker has a very important piece in there. Some of you will remember the photograph that helped result in our withdrawal from the Vietnam War, leaving the South Vietnamese to fend for themselves, which was horrific. And some of you are too young to remember or even care, which is unfortunate. And in addition to this, there was Walter Cronkite who lied about the Tet Offensive. The Tet Offensive was a massive effort by the North Vietnamese and Viet Cong um, that was brutally but successfully put down by, uh, by U.S. soldiers and the South Vietnamese, but that's not how Walter Cronkite reported it. Nonetheless, Monica Showalter writes, another Pulitzer Prize discredited as propaganda, she writes in The American Thinker. Remember all that political hay, the far left and its media made during the Vietnam War about the wickedness of America's South Vietnamese ally and the importance of abandoning that country to the communists? Here's the Pulitzer Prize-winning AP photo that was supposed to prick our consciences and make us turn against that so-called immoral war against a communist takeover. And it's the picture <coughs> excuse me, of South Vietnamese police captain Ong Nga Lon, coldly executing Viet Cong captain Ong Van Lem. There's no doubt about it. The photo's hard to look at, she writes. It's crude, rough, wartime justice. The film is even harder to look at. It ran on the front page of the New York Times, cropped from the original, to fill the space and make it impact even more, its impact even more immediate. And it got the results the anti-war left wanted. Public sentiment abruptly turned against the war as a result of that photo. The Vietnamese people were abandoned by the Americans who cut and run evacuation from Saigon Embassy on the rooftop was only recently bested by Joe Biden's Afghanistan pullout. 
And after that, the re-education camps rolled in, the boat people launched into the high seas, and the killing fields at Cambodia began. Jane Fonda must have been so proud of herself. Just one problem. The context was missing. And that context mattered. The guy who got shot, who went by the name Baylop, was a death squad psychopath in in Viet Cong who had just gotten done massacring 34 innocent people. According to groovy history, from January to September 1968, North Vietnamese forces launched a coordinated series of attacks on more than 100 cities and towns in South Vietnam. Proof American forces had failed to quash the guerrilla combats. Death squads made their way through the cities, killing anyone who wasn't joining the revolution. Oh, anyone who wasn't joining the revolution. Well, at least in that respect, sounds familiar. Captured in a billing in the Chalun quarter of Saigon, Nguyen Van Lam was a member of the Viet Cong whose downfall began in the Tet Offensive. Allegedly, Lam was arrested for cutting the throats of South Vietnamese Lieutenant Colonel Nguyen Truan, his wife, their six children, and the officer's 80-year-old mother. That's 11 people right there. On top of that, he was leading a Viet Cong team whose whole deal was taking out members of the national police and their families. At the time of his death, Lem should have been considered a prisoner of war under the Geneva Convention, but because he was dressed in civilian clothing and he wasn't carrying a firearm, he was technically seen as an illegal combatant, in other words, a terrorist. During the Tet Offensive, Lem was on a bloodthirsty tear through Saigon. He may have looked boyish in that photo, but he had the heart of a killer. The photo shows him handcuffed and in civilian clothing. But he was operating a death squad that killed 34 He allegedly took out seven police officers, multiple members of their families, and even a few Americans. Wrists and shot in the back of the head, execution style. Because he was not wearing the outfit of a soldier, this put him in a bad scenario. As a person committing war crimes, he was in a bad way, especially with General Lone coming after him. Not only had he carried out a gruesome act, but he was eligible for immediate execution. Wikipedia, of all places, notes that maybe this didn't happen the way these facts say it happened. They left this professor quoted on Wikipedia. Well, I don't need to waste my time with Wikipedia. They pushed a revisionist history. Now, the Daily Mail found an admiral in the U.S. Navy was a tiny sole survivor of that very massacre of 34. It was a little Vietnamese boy at the time who watched as this psychopath shot civilian after civilian, including his entire family. He survived by playing dead and eventually made his way to America to become an American citizen joining the U.S. Navy, and he rose to the rank of admiral. <clears throat> According to the Daily Mail, Bailop, the subject in the photo, had been executed in Saigon after carrying out the mass murder of Huan Wang's father, South Vietnamese Lieutenant Colonel Wang Tuan, along with officer's wife, mother, six children, five boys, one girl. Now this admiral, Huang Ram, managed to survive despite being shot three times through the arm, the thigh, and the skull. The youngster stayed with his mother's dead body for two hours following the cold-blooded murder, 
according to military.com. When night fell, he then escaped, managing to avoid the communist guerrillas and went to live with his uncle, a colonel in the South Vietnamese Air Force. There's no disputing the facts of what happened to him, which pretty well puts paid to the nutty leftist professor's claims, and there's no excusing the behavior of the anti-war left, which used this child's family murder to sell the first great bug out of America and its allies for the purpose of spreading communism. The press, which acted pretty much in the same dishonest manner as it does today, was amazingly dishonest in its presentation of its narrative, particularly at the editorial level. Now we learn that a brave survivor exists. From that terrible incident and the badness of America suddenly wasn't so bad. The bad guy, in fact, was the communist Viet Cong captain. Was a mass murder, not at all different from the Las Vegas spray shooter. The press got away with on that one. And it serves as a reminder that pictures can be distorted and manipulated. And they always are. While the photographer, Eddie Adams, was blameless, as he was just for doing his job, the way the photo was presented by broadcasters and newspaper editors was not. This is one sorry incident that that got away with the left. They showered their Pulitzers and watched the protest begin. Horrendous, right? Now, these are the same people condemning Fox and Carlson for running film of some of what took place on January 6th. Isn't that amazing? They have no room to complain about anything. None. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Did you know Pure Talk saves the average family over $900 a year when you switch from Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile? That's right. Save $900 a year on your wireless bill and still enjoy ultra-fast 5G service. You can get unlimited talk, text, and plenty of data for just 30 bucks a month. And Pure Talk is so sure you're going to love their service, they're backing it up with a 100% money-back guarantee. So instead of paying a fortune to woke corporations like Verizon, AT&T or T-Mobile every month, cut your bill in half with Pure Talk, my cell phone company, and then start enjoying the perks like a U.S. customer service team that will make your switch easy, supporting a company that is veteran-owned and shares your values and that has you covered with a money-back guarantee. Go to puretalk.com and enter promo code LEVINPODCAST, that's L-E-V-I-N podcast, to save 50% off your first month. That's puretalk.com, promo code L-E-V-I-N podcast, Levin podcast. Pure Talk is simply smarter wireless. Restrictions apply. See site for details. America's Governor Ron DeSantis gave his State of the State speech today. There's a few pieces of it I'd like you to hear. Let's start. Cut 18, go. We've also delivered for all Floridians much needed economic relief. Due to the excessive spending and printing of money by the federal government, Americans are living through the worst period of sustained inflation in decades. We've worked together to reduce the pain of inflation by enacting over $1 billion in tax relief in this current year's budget and by slashing tolls by 50% for Florida commuters for this calendar year. That will save some families 
more than $1,000. Thank you, legislature, for stepping up for our consumers. Cut 19, go. Florida has provided the strongest protections for medical freedom during the coronavirus pandemic of any state in the country. We have prohibited COVID shot mandates in schools. We have banned vaccine passports, and we have protected Floridians from losing their jobs due to their personal decision about whether to take or not take the COVID jab. We're joined here by Dr. Tim Boyette. He's a radiologist, and his job at a hospital in the panhandle was saved due to the actions of the legislature to provide protections for all Floridians. No Floridian should have to choose between a job they need and a shot they don't want. Cut 20, go. We must continue our momentum with K-12 education by increasing teacher salaries, enacting a teacher's bill of rights, providing paycheck protection for teachers, expanding school choice, and fortifying parents' rights. Our schools must deliver a good education, not a political indoctrination. And it's sad that we have to say this, but our children are not guinea pigs for science experimentation, and we cannot allow people to make money off mutilating them. That is beautifully said, and it is a horrible fact. An entire industry is built up behind CRT. An entire industry is built up on the mutilation of children and adults. And now these are moneyed interests. These are grifters. They have their lobbyists. They have their special interests. They have their Democrat Party, and they have some of these ridiculous rhinos. Cut 21. Go. The Chinese Communist Party represents the greatest economic, strategic, and security threat that our country faces. No, we in Florida have long no, recognized... No, I, I have a little disagreement with that. The greatest threat we face as a people is the Democrat Party. Because it weakens us at home and abroad. It empowers the communist regime in China, the fascist regime in Russia, the Islamo-Nazi regime in Iran, and the inbred regime in North Korea. And it threatens our civil liberties and unalienable rights. Obviously, the greatest military threat and geographical threat we face is communist China. But as a nation, the Democrat Party is the funnel through which the radicalization of the nation, the undermining of the nation from within, the, uh, the attacking law enforcement and law and order, the weakening of our military takes place. So that's just my clarification. Let's start at the top, cut 21, go. The Chinese Communist Party represents the greatest economic, strategic, and security threat that our country faces. We in Florida have long recognized this and have taken action, such as by banning the CCP's Confucius Institutes at our state colleges and universities. Now we see the CCP trying to make strategic land purchases across the U.S. And our message in Florida is very simple. We will not allow land grabs by CCC-packed businesses in our state. I, I have to tell you something, folks. When I interviewed him uh, Sunday before last in his fantastic book, 
the usual uh, coyotes who are not conservatives. They're bomb throwers, and they usually fall on their own grenades. We're troubled that I didn't really stick it to DeSantis. I wanted to hear what he had to say. The man is a very, very unique statesman. And one of the things he pointed out is how he defines leadership. Staying on offense, putting the others on defense, and staying steps ahead of them. Because you can't win on defense. And as he was explaining, I thought so many politicians could learn from this guy. So many could learn from this guy. And I hope they heard what he had to say. Don't worry about the media. They're not the ones who put you in office, and they're not the ones who are going to support you. They've, they've said who they're for in more ways than one. They're Democrats. So why should they determine how you're going to, you're going to uh, lead a state? And he said, you know, even though I got 50% of the vote, I had 100% of the power that a governor has. He's a leader. I'll be right back. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877 877-381-3811. The Federal Aviation Administration is a crucially critical operation. I mean, at every airport in the country, you know what it does. It's got its own tower. And it's in charge of landings and takeoffs and taxiing. And basically, they're very, very important traffic cops. And they're there to ensure planes don't crash into each other whether taxing or flying, and which particular part of the airport they should land on, which runway, which runway they should take off, and on and on and on. You get it. And we're told that only the federal government can do this. You know, it's interesting. In some countries, the private sector does it. But we're told only the federal government can do it because only if you're an employee of the federal government will you do this correctly. And only if it's managed by the federal government will it be managed correctly. 
And so there it is. Now, if you're going to nominate somebody to be in charge of this all-important agency to ensure that people don't die in the air or on taxing or some other tragedy, you nominate somebody who knows what the hell they're doing. Somebody who has a thorough understanding of what the responsibility is. Joe Biden doesn't do that. Joe Biden, probably Susan Rice, but is Joe Biden presidency and his staff, they select people based on their race. It has nothing to do with their capabilities. Capabilities should come first. They don't say they're the most competent administration in history. They say they're the most diverse administration in history. And so that's all that matters. And people bring this up all the time. They're right. When you go for an operation, a crucial operation, or you go for cancer treatment, or bypass operation, or whatever it is. Do you say, I want to know how diverse your department is? Do you say, I want to know, I only want a certain type of person to treat me? Or do you look for the most competent, experienced, incapable surgeon? Or expert? It's the latter, because you want to live. But under Democrats, the government doesn't work that way. They want more and more power, less and less responsibility, and they're increasingly less competent. Now, they won't even, they won't even skip this ideological obsession when it comes to nominating somebody to run the Federal Aviation Administration, let alone Department of Transportation, but the Federal Aviation Administration. And so Joe Biden nominated somebody who doesn't know anything at all about aviation. Nothing. Hat tip to Senator Ted Budd of North Carolina. Let's take, let's listen in. Cut 22, go. Mr. Washington, can you quickly tell me uh, what airspace requires an ADSB transponder? Not sure I can answer that question right now. That's, that's okay. We'll just keep going. So um, that's, a, that's a pretty important part. So what are the six types of special use airspace that protect this national security that appear on FAA charts? Uh, sorry, Senator, I cannot answer that question. Okay. So what are the operational limitations of a pilot flying under basic med? Senator, I'm not a pilot, so... Uh, but I, obviously you'd ever see the F- Federal Aviation Administration, so... Um, any, any idea what those uh, restrictions are under basic med, quickly? Uh, well, some of the restrictions, I think, would be high blood pressure. Uh, some of them would be... Uh, it, it's more like how many passengers per airplane, how many pounds okay. in different categories, and uh, what, ele- what uh, altitude uh, you can fly under. So, and, uh, and then uh, amount of knots, it's under 250 knots. So okay. it's not having, having anything to do with blood pressure. So can you tell me what causes an aircraft to spin or to stall? Uh, Again, Senator, I'm not a pilot. Um, Okay, Uh, let's keep going. What are the three aircraft certifications the FAA requires as part of the manufacturing process? Quickly, please. 
three uh, aircraft certifications. Uh, again, uh, what I would say to that is that one of my first priorities would be to fully implement that Certification Act uh, and report. You know back the three to types, uh, Mr. Washington. The, the three no. types. Okay. Yeah, that's type certificate, production certificate, and airworthiness certificate. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. Let's just keep going. See if we can um, um, get lucky here. So, can you tell me what the minimum separation distance is for landing and departing airliners during the daytime, Mr. Washington? I, I don't want to guess on that, Senator. Are you familiar with the difference between Part 107 and Part 44809 when it comes to unmanned aerial standards? Unmanned aerial, unmanned like drones. Are you familiar with yes, the difference? Yes. Okay. You know the difference between those two, Part 44809 and Part 107? Do you know the difference there? No, I cannot. Uh, it's okay. Spell that out. <sighs> That is humiliating to Joe Biden to put somebody up like this. He's treating it as one of his ambassadorships, isn't he? And yet, while most of us have no idea what they're talking about, we know enough to know that this guy has no idea what he's being asked. He has no idea whatsoever. So why was he chosen? You know why he was chosen. Because the Democrat Party and the Biden administration in particular puts its racist agenda, its CRT agenda, its DEI ESG agenda, its equity agenda ahead of safety for millions and millions of passengers who fly on airlines. Remember last hour I said, and I said it quickly, and I meant to say it quickly, what I do, put aside a little gold, put aside some, some gems, put aside uh, some food. I don't even think my wife knows I have this. It's in the closet for 30 or 60 days. You know, the special packages of food. And... Uh, we have a new sponsor on that, too, by the way, coming up. But I'm just saying that that is uh, what I do because I don't believe this government is capable of, of stopping itself. Of stopping itself. Because they're doing it to us. The Democrat Party hates this country. And when I say hates this country, I mean hates you. Unless you're all in with them. Unless you have some benefit to, to ignore to them, they hate you. Unless you side with them. Why would you pick a guy like this to run the FAA? I can, is there a single senator that will vote for him? I suspect almost all the Democrats will want any Republican vote for a guy like this. Do they fly on airplanes? I mean, literally, folks, is this the best person we can get who's a Democrat to run the FAA? This is the best? I mean, it's really shocking. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. I want to tell you about a man... 
who just got the Medal of Honor. I was talking about Vietnam earlier. Via Gateway Pundit. Real-life Rambo, Medal of Honor winner, fought off countless enemies using his pinky finger during a 20-hour fight. The time, June 20, 1965. The place, Binh Dinh Province, in the meat grinder known as South Vietnam, the stakes, life or death, writes Jack Davis, Western Journalism. For what took place that day, retired Army Colonel Paris Davis, 83 today, he was awarded the Medal of Honor on Friday during a White House ceremony. Just to, <clears throat> just to be able to be considered for the Medal of Honor is one thing, Davis said, according to CNN. To receive it is all the things I've never dreamed. The Army's website summarizes what took place as Davis, a special forces captain at the time, led his patrol. Over the course of two days, Davis selflessly led a charge to neutralize enemy emplacements, called for precision artillery fire, engaged in hand-to-hand combat with the enemy, and prevented the capture of three American soldiers, Robert Brown, John Reinberg, and Billy Waugh while saving their lives with a medical extraction. Davis sustained multiple gunshot and grenade fragment wounds during the 19-hour battle, and he refused to leave the battlefield until his men were safely removed. The website military.com filled in some of the blanks of what happened when his patrol ran into hundreds of Viet Cong. I ran down to where the firing was and found five Viet Cong coming over the trench line. I killed all five. Then I heard firing from the left flank, Davis wrote in his report. I ran down there and saw about six Viet Cong moving toward our position. I threw a grenade and killed four of them. My M16 jammed, so I shot one with my pistol and hit the other with my M16 again and again until he was dead. So now he has killed 11 of the enemy. Among the wounds he suffered that day was the loss of part of his trigger finger to an enemy grenade. So Davis fired his M16 with his pinky. That's not easy. As the standoff continued, two of three wounded men had been brought back to within the American lines, but the third, Mr. Brown, was in a rice paddy with no one knowing if he was dead or alive. He says a colonel came by and since we had two of the Americans, I wasn't really sure the disposition of the third. He gave me a direct order to move out of the area right now, Davis said in a 1969 interview. I just disobeyed the order. I said some words over the telephone I don't really care to repeat right here, as I did, did do a little swearing. During the ceremony on Friday, Biden repeated a conversation between Davis and a medic he rescued. When he got there, the medic still alive asked him, am I going to die? Am I going to die, Captain Davis responded. Not before me. Still fending off the Viet Cong assailants, Captain Davis hauled his medic up the hill. He said at one point he thought that the battle was over because there was a place on the battlefield where there were so many bodies you couldn't see the grass. 
Davis's selfless actions and personal courage were decisive in changing the tide of the battle, ensuring the American soldiers were not killed or taken prisoners, preventing the South Vietnamese company from being overrun and ensuing the defeat of a numerically superior enemy force, the battle report said. Asked what kept him going, Davis answered simply, others. Others. Army Major General Patrick Robinson, the Deputy Commander of the U.S. Armed Special Operations Command, said the day summed up what the Special Forces are all about. Will you quit? Obviously, Colonel Davis showed, I'm never going to quit. No matter what the odds, no matter how badly I'm hurt, I'm not going to quit, Robertson said. The grit, determination, competence under extreme duress. I can't say enough about what he did. And this originally appeared in the Western Journal, another great site. And so some have nicknamed this guy the real Rambo. The real life Rambo. His name? Retired U.S. Army Colonel Paris Davis. 83 years old. And we want to salute him and thank him and congratulate him. I guess the second gentleman would say this man has too much masculine toxicity. This nation was founded with men with masculine toxicity. And is defended by men with masculine toxicity. Now, I know it's not toxicity, but I'm taking the fool's word and shoving it down his throat. Certainly wasn't saved by media people, Marxist academics. No, it was saved by men's men. How about I put it that way? And strong women, too, obviously. You know, there used to be a joke that I would tell when I was much younger. I don't even know if I'm allowed to tell anymore, Mr. Producer. I would say about Russia, the men are men and the women are men. But I think it's, in many ways, it's more like parts of the United States, isn't it? Uh... I don't even know if I'm allowed to say those things anymore, but I say them nonetheless. Senator John Kenney is one of the greats. We've tried to get him on my Sunday show, but apparently he travels every time we're, we're doing it. He's, he, I've, I bumped into him on a plane, and he couldn't have been nicer, a huge fan. Uh, I want you to his, listen to this. He's questioning the chairman of the Fed, Powell. Cut for a go. You're raising interest rates. You're raising interest rates to slow the economy, are you not? Yes, to cool the economy off. Um, and one of the ways you measure your success, other than fluctuation in gross domestic product, is the unemployment rate. Is it not? Yes, one of the measures. Okay. So in effect, this, I'm not being critical. When you're slowing the economy, you're trying to put people out of work. That's your job, is it not? Not really. We're trying to we're trying to restore price stability. No, um, you're trying you're trying to raise not, not the wages. Un, you're trying to raise the unemployment rate. There are and, lo- and so there that are a lot me, of that mean I know you don't like the phrase, so let me strike it. You're trying <laughs> to raise the unemployment rate, are you not? 
No, we're not trying to raise it. We're trying to realign supply and demand, which could happen through a bunch of channels. Yeah, but in the end, unemployment is necessary because you're going to have a recession and you need a recession in order to cool down inflation. And when you have a recession, people lose their jobs. And this is on the backs again of those who have voted for an awful lot of spending, include 18 or 19 Republicans in the Senate, led by Mitch McConnell. So that's exactly what's intended, and that's exactly what's going to happen. And Senator Kennedy, Senator Kennedy's a lawyer. I don't know if he was a litigator, but he obviously was a damn good lawyer. Um, One of those sort of Southern lawyers, you know, they... They kind of loop around you a little bit. They're fascinating, and all of a sudden they go in for the kill. Well, that's what he did there. I'll be right back. The establishment's worst nightmare. Mark Levin. Call in now. 877-381-3811. Kevin McCarthy goes on offense, forcing Senate Democrats into tough boats. This is from The Hill, Alexander Bolton. No, not the creepy Bolton, Alexander Bolton, who might be creepy. I just don't know who he is. Speaker Kevin McCarthy is showing he can play offense against vulnerable Senate Democrats by forcing them to take tough votes, driving a wedge between red state Democrats up for re-election in the party's base. McCarthy put them in a difficult position last week by forcing them to vote on a GOP-sponsored resolution, blocking a Biden administration rule encouraging retirement managers to consider environment, social, and corporate governance or ESG factors when making investment decisions. Uh, What they're doing is opposing a directive from the Biden administration that permits them to use ESG as investment factors, when, of course, if the main reason for investment isn't return on investment, then seniors with pensions and other people, uh, they will lose money potentially or certainly lose money they would have otherwise made. Senate Democrats will take another politically charged vote Wednesday on a House passed resolution to block a new D.C. crime bill that would lower penalties for carjackings, burglaries, and robberies. So now the chairman of the council in D.C. is trying to withdraw it so those Democrats don't have to vote. The looming vote prompted Biden to tell anxious Senate Democrats at a meeting last week that he would buck his own statement of administration policy and sign the resolution, giving them political cover to vote for it and dodge Republican accusations of being soft on crime. See, it's all about if they love these policies, why don't they embrace them? But it's still a tough vote for Democrats up for re-election who support D.C. home rule and D.C. statehood such as Senator Tim Kaine of Virginia. He's a fraud, Virginia. Told reporters last week he was undecided on what he called a complicated issue. Oh, very complicated. Lowering penalties for murder, carjackings, rape, all kinds of stuff. PAC affiliated with Senate Republican leader Mitch McConnell quickly pounced on his uncertainty. Yeah, McConnell, always a day late and a dollar short. Thousands upon thousands of Virginians work in Washington, D.C. every day, but Tim Kaine doesn't take keeping them safe seriously. This is the McConnell pack. Kaine refused to give a straight answer when asked if he'd support GOP legislation 
that would reverse dangerous changes D.C. made to its criminal code. I guess McCarthy isn't the sellout rhino that everybody said he was. That would be McConnell. That would be McConnell. I mean, honest to God, folks, when we were talking about that over a four-day period, and I told you I knew already the negotiations that had taken place up to that point, and that 90% of these rules were already slated to be put in place, that you didn't need the... Well, I'll be kind. You didn't need the the opponents who are now patting themselves on the back. And so are 90% of the conservative media who threw in with them. We were right, weren't we? Oh, yeah, yeah, we were right. It was your pressure that did this. No, it wasn't. It simply was not. But again, it's early yet. Let's see how things play out. I call them as I see them. I'm not a special pleader for anybody. But I try and give you the what I know and the truth every single time. These other guys, they, they think they're playing to the base. I don't do that stuff. We are the base. There's no need to play to ourselves. We are the base. You. Me. He holds one of 23 Democrat seats, does Kane. Up for re-election next year, Senator Tommy Tuberfield said McCarthy is helping Senate Republicans put Senate Democrats on the defensive. And what is McConnell doing? He's attacking Fox and so forth. The House got off to a great start. They're doing their job. They're helping us, said Tuberfield. It's calling people out. The Environmental, Social, Corporate Governance Bill last week. This week, the crime bill here in D.C. It's obviously good votes for us, said Tuberville. And McCarthy's pressure campaign on Senate Democrats is part of an intensifying battle with Senate Majority Leader Charles Schumer, who tries to highlight what he calls MAG extremism in the House wherever possible. Why don't you shut up, you MAGA extremist, you maggot? MAGA extremism? Okay, for now on the maggot Democrats. Maggot. 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 Senator John Cornyn. Oy, oy, oy. An advisor to the Senate Republican leadership said McCarthy is defining important differences between the... Re- Here you have the Speaker of the House on the Republican House of Representatives putting the Senate Democrats on the block. Where's, McCar- where, where's McConnell? Where's Cornyn? Where's Thune? Hi, uh, I'm John Thune. Uh, you like my haircut? I think it demonstrates the difference po- policy choices depending on who would be in charge says Cornyn, after the 2024 election. So I think a little definition is helpful. Well, you're, you're really a man of profound words. Let's see here. After the Office of Management and Budget called it a clear example of how the District of Columbia continues to be denied true self-governance and why it deserves statehood, 173 House Democrats voted against the resolution. This could become an issue in the Arizona Senate race next year. Representative Ruben Galeo. This guy, Galeo, is a nut, a radical kook. And he's going to challenge Senator Kirsten Sinema if she runs for a second term. 
He was one of the Democrats who voted to uphold the D.C. crime bill. I guess none of them have been mugged. I'm just saying. Why would you vote to uphold this radical attack on law and order in D.C.? Well, I believe in self-government. They're not a state. I believe in human sanctity. The House resolution nullifying the D.C. crime bill has even split Democrat progressives. Patty Mary and Ben Ray Lohan, New Mexico, are two progressive Democrats who say they will vote for it, even though they both also support granting statehood to the District of Columbia. It's a tough one for the Democrats. You know, they're hypocrites through and through. They desperately want those two Democrat senators in the Senate. On the other hand, they don't want to be mugged. One Democrat in the House told the Hill last week the White House flip-flop on crime was amateur hour. And the head should roll. McCarthy gave Senate Republican candidates more ammo for next year's races by passing another resolution to, dispro- to disapprove that bill and to disapprove another one. Allowing non-citizens to vote. He is loading it up, McCarthy. He's really becoming quite the bomb thrower, and I mean that in a very positive way. I don't talk to him, I'm just saying. McCarthy gave Senate Republican and more ammo. They passed another resolution <coughs> to disapprove of a D.C. bill allowing non-citizens to vote. Although it'll likely remain bottled up in the Senate committee, according to one Republican aide. But if Democrats refuse to let it to come to the floor for a vote, it'll give Republicans another talking point. Democrats are twisting themselves into knots trying to defend bills that go easy on violent criminals, allow non-citizens to vote, and enshrine Biden's radical green energy agenda. It's been fun to watch, said Philip Letzow, a spokesman for the National Republican Senatorial Committee. This committee is owned and paid for by donors, but it is owned by Mitch McConnell, the National Republican Senatorial Committee. I wouldn't give them one damn penny. That said, look, they have to rely on the Speaker of the House, McCarthy. And the House is working on another resolution to block a Biden expansion of the waters of the United States rule that would give the Environmental Protection Agency broader jurisdiction over streams and wetlands. No, it would do more than that. If you have a pond in your backyard, America... This would give the EPA control over the pond in your backyard. And they're, they're using the Constitution, the navigable waters language, to do it. It is the most outrageous private property land grab that you can imagine. And it gets no attention. Now you've heard about it. The EPA has a rule. And they want jurisdiction. Where they have control over streams, creeks, wetlands, a puddle or a pond in your backyard, which would obviously prevent you from building, prevent you from fishing, prevent you from doing whatever you want to do without a federal okay. And what I'm trying to point out here is it is a horrific attack on private property. So who's doing something about it? McCarthy. He's putting it on the block. He's going to have another resolution to block it. That means Senate Democrats, especially those up for re-election in farm states, will take another tough vote on a GOP resolution 
blocking another Biden administration action. The idea that you could have the federal government taking over all waterways, no matter how small or inconsequential, in some cases the equivalent of a puddle. This is true. I think strikes people in rural parts of the country as obnoxious, said Senate Republican Whip John Thune. What's he done about it? Nothing. McCarthy's doing it. Senator Shelley Moore Caputo. She is a disaster. She's a republic from West Virginia. I think she has a son that she wants to get into the House now, or the son. You know, her father was the governor. Now she's the senator. She was a congresswoman. And she's a complete 100% nothing. She'll take the lead on the resolution in the sense that Biden rule expands federal jurisdiction in the waters and so forth. Farm state senators facing potentially competitive re-election race next year include Senator Sherrod Brown. He's a Marxist. Bob Casey. He's a, a head case. Kane, Cinema, and John Testica, uh, Tester from uh, Montana. So there you go. Isn't that amazing, Mr. Producer? I mean, who's running the Senate, McConnell or McCarthy? I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Where did this show go? I need a fourth hour. Don't you think? Fifth hour. Should be the Jerry Lewis of conservative talk radio, don't you think? Have you noticed that the same people who didn't want anything to do with the video from Capitol Hill, then demanded it, and now said it should never have been released? Have you noticed the Democrats, to a man, a woman, to a transitioner, said the same thing? Have you noticed that the Republics, led by Mitch McConnell and his ilk, were also upset about the release of the, of the tapes to Fox and... Of course, uh, Mitch has never accounted for his lack of action. And uh, I guess he never will, as he counts on Kevin McCarthy to handle the re-election of senators. Very strange indeed. Ladies and gentlemen, we salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel. We salute our truckers. Thank you. We salute the men and women, the freedom fighters, in Taiwan and Ukraine. And most of all, I thank you, the greatest, smartest audiences of audiences. I'm blessed to have you here, and I want to see you here tomorrow so we can do it again. 